They say what you put into something is what you take out of it. And it's true. To me, nothing is more interesting than what a critic brings into a movie. Do they like the director or cast? Are they plugged into the buzz? What do they think of the trailers? The point of this podcast, then, is to give listeners a chance to hear from a top film critic, both before and after they've seen a film, and to see how people's expectations shape their opinion of a movie itself. My name is Matthew Modigal, and welcome to After the Credits. Well, a big thank you to everybody for joining us this week. This is going to be a supersized episode of After the Credits, and that is because we are talking about Avengers Infinity War, the biggest movie in a long line of big movies. And my guest this week, uh, the person that's going to be diving into this with me, is Eamon Warman. Eamon, will you please tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, the type of writing you do, and where people can find you? Yeah, so I'm a film and TV freelance critic. Um, I've written for Empire Magazine, uh, Total Film, Den of Geek, um, Hey You Guys, and a few others. Um, I mostly do a lot of stuff on uh, comic, comic book film and TV, but I've also uh, written other stuff for uh, other films as well. Okay, and now when you say that you do a lot of stuff with comic book adaptations, um, let's give our audience a little bit of context here. You know, What is your background with comics, with comic book movies, and you know, what's something that comes to mind when someone says Marvel Cinematic Universe? <laughs> um yeah no i am a massive fan of marvel cinematic universe and i've I, I can remember watching all the films in the cinema um i'm pretty well versed in everything mcu i would say uh, but also uh, uh comics themselves and also um the animated shows and the cartoons like you know, if you ask me about the justice league animated series there's very little i wouldn't know um, same for Avengers as Mightiest Heroes and a, a number of other animated stuff as well. But um, yeah, MCU, I'm a, I'm a big fan of it. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm very excited about Infinity War. So if we had all the time in the world, you know, now might be the time where we could go through and list out the you know, 18, <laughs> 17, 18 Marvel movies and our reactions to each of them. But I'm thinking... very game if you want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. In the time allotted, uh, let's let's list some of the favorite Marvel movies that we've had then, you know, what are, what are the ones that you really enjoyed? Maybe the, the three entries in the Marvel cinematic universe thus far that kind of like set the bar for you into what this big crossover event could actually be. Uh, my top three Marvel movies today would be Captain America, civil war, Captain America, the winter soldier, uh, and black Panther. All right. So by my count, that's two of the Captain America movies. Uh, is it, Fair to say, then, that he has been sort of the standout character for you in the MCU to date? Captain America? Yeah. Um, oh, before Black Panther, I might have said yes. <laughs> um, he's, he's definitely up there. Um, I think what they've done with that character, I mean, the, the MCU is very, very impressive for a number of reasons, but what they've done with Captain America, when you think of how he was thought of before the MCU and then due to his portrayal in the MCU, how that thought, how, I mean, I think when people think of Captain America, now they think of a great leader um, and just a great well-rounded character. And I think that's due to the writing. Uh, it's also due to Chris Evans's fantastic performance. Uh, so yeah, he's definitely up there. Um, I really, um, T'Challa really had, had a special connection with me, though, so 
it's, it, it will probably probably be between between those two right now. Sure. Well, okay, let's talk about that a little bit too. You know, when we did the, um, my guest and I did the episode about Black Panther, you know, obviously there's a lot of really great cinematic reasons to love that movie, but there also was definitely a sense of, of a cultural phenomenon that was a film that inspired people to get out to the theaters. And, you know, one of the things that I can't help but think as we're going into this this uh, Avengers Infinity War thing is how well this is going to build off of some of the, the final phase of Marvel movies like Black Panther and, and like Thor Ragnarok. So for yourself, as both a, a critic and a fan, you know, are there any reservations you might have about how they're going to be able to bring everything home in Avengers Infinity War? Um, no, not really any cons- I mean... The only thing I'm concerned about with Infinity War, obviously we've got to bear in mind that there's another Avengers film coming. Um, but uh, I think the one thing that would, the one worry I have is that people will die and then they'll come back for Avengers 4. Um, and obviously I don't, we don't, don't know anything about Avengers 4. If that happens, we don't know how that will happen. But if there's any sort of one consistent criticism you'll hear of the MCU is that, you know, characters die and then they come back often in the same movie um and with infinity war they've really really hyped up the fact i mean without sort of explicitly saying so that there's a very good chance that people are going to die in this movie um and, and very sort of you know big you know people who if they die you you you, you will feel it basically so i wouldn't want um that to be cheapened um if at all possible by characters returning in any way that being said i i, I almost I mean I could, uh, being a massive mcu fan i've sort of you know done some investigating <laughs> and it feels like that that is what is some version of that might happen uh, for the fourth avengers movie which again it, it might depend on how they bring it back in terms of how i feel about it but just on just thinking about thinking about that possibility now worries me um because Going into Infinity War, if a character, if when a character dies, I want to, you know, be present in that moment and feel all of it rather than thinking in the back of my head, obviously he's going to come back at some point. Um, that would be my big worry right now. You know, and you raise an interesting point here because, you know, one of the things that, that a lot of people talk about with both film and comic books is the idea that the, in comics there really isn't such a thing as permanent death. You know, there are there are characters, um, Uncle Ben immediately comes to mind, that have sort of been accepted over time to be more dead than not dead. But, you know, whenever a new creator or a new series comes in, people are given an opportunity to sort of approach these characters with a clean slate. And that's in stark contrast to something like a live action film where actors are getting a little older, where contracts are running out, where people for creative differences and creative reasons might decide to move on. You know, there are all these things here that suggest that, that the end in a Marvel Cinematic Universe may feel very differently than the end of a comic book. So I guess my big question for you, Amon, is are we ready, are lifelong Marvel fans ready for what permanent death actually looks like? I think we are. I mean, even uh, people who love Marvel movies such as myself, you know, when we hear that criticism brought up, there's nothing we can really sort of say to counter it. It's, it's a fact. I mean, we've seen Nick Fury die and come back to life. We've seen Loki die and come back to life a lot. Um, <laughs> and, you know, the, the list goes on. So, you know, I've heard like a, I think I've read uh, Kevin Feige say 
um, sort of in response to this criticism, be careful what you wish for. Um, and, you know, I, I, so I, I, get, I get what you're saying. Obviously, we, we love all these characters, um, especially sort of ones with, um, who've had multiple movies and who we've seen on screen for a while. But, you know, it ups the, I mean, Infinity War, it, you know, by, by design, it's, it's a high stakes movie. And to, the, to sort of have that possibility sort of looming over it, I think that's a boon for the movie and if, if they do it right. Uh, so, you know, in, <laughs> if you look at the internet, you look, especially um, after the second trailer dropped, you saw Captain America holding back Thanos. There's a number of people who are really, really scared for that character and for Iron Man. Um, but even though if and when they die, it will, it will hurt. Um, you know, for obvious reasons, I think in the long run, um, it will be the it would have been the right decision to off these characters. Okay, so I, I mean, we're ready. The franchise is ready for this to happen. Um, yeah. And I want to hit on something you said because I, I think you put it really well when you sort of suggested you want these deaths to have significance. You know, another thing that that another question that that raises in my mind is the ability of this movie to balance the many, many characters it has and the many storylines that are converging. You know, there are a dozen plus characters that have each supported their own movies that have been the star characters in their own movies. And when you're thinking about the not only the plot developments, but also the potential for characters to, to die or to pass the baton or whatever it may be, you know, is there any worry for you that that um, the Russo brothers, that Feig, that Marvel is not is going to not be able to tie this up in any kind of satisfactory way? That it's going to be too crowded? I have complete, total, utter faith that they will be completely fine. And it's so funny because you know, I remember six years ago in the lead up to Avengers and how we were all worried whether Marvel could do a film with six heroes. I, I remember having discussions about that. And obviously, you know, it's been proven that they did it well. You no, know, they're not at the park, etc. I remember having conversations, similar conversations about Captain America Civil War. How are they going to do this? There's so many heroes. So isn't it, is it a Captain America movie? What's going to happen? And Captain America Civil War is my favorite MCU movie to date. They knocked it out of the park again. Uh, so even though... Um, there are so many heroes in this movie. Um, I still have complete and utter faith in the Russo's and being able to pull it, pull it off. I think part of the reason for that as well is because you know I've been reading obviously a lot um, in the build up to this film, and in interviews they said that this film is from Thanos' perspective, which I really really like because I think uh, if you look at so if you go back and uh, watch all the MCU movies. Most of them, if it's not all of them, I think, take place from the hero's perspective, and we've had sort of multiple movies with some of these characters, so we know what no, we know what they're all about, um, and therefore we don't need to spend as much time with them in a movie like this. I really like that we're getting the film from the villain perspective. I think that's very interesting on many many levels. Um, so if they sort of center on Thanos and still sort of still checking on the heroes and do character work, but not to the extent which they might, you know, get in their own solo movies, I think it'll be absolutely fine at this point because um, we know what they're about. The, the storyline for this movie 
Um, I think it's going to be relatively simple in terms of, you know, keep the stones away, keep the stones away from Thanos. So it's a simple objective in that regard. So I think we'll be absolutely fine. You know, since you brought this up, actually, I, I want to talk about him because I'm a uh, I'm a big fan of Josh Brolin as a whole. So I, I don't have any questions about the performance that he's going to offer, but I do have questions maybe uh, about the character. You know, this is somebody that has sort of been lurking in the background of most of the MCU movies, but the way that they've built to this character, the way that they've incorporated elements of the, you know, the Infinity Stones has been, let's say, sort of inconsistent thus far. So I I have a feeling I know what your answer is going to be, (laughs) but um, do you, do you know, what do you think uh, Marvel's going to be able to do with this character? How do you think he's going to serve as the big bad for the entire MCU? I think he'll be, I think he'll deliver the goods. Um, everything which we've seen in the trailers has really impressed me in terms of every time he's on screen, this, you can, the, the presence which Josh Brolin brings that character just oozes off the screen, even when you're watching it in the trailer. Um, I'm watching it in IMAX, I think, on Tuesday. I think it, it'll be even more sort of noticeable um, in the screening like that. Uh, so I have every faith that he'll bring it. And again, the fact that there's a very good chance that he will, you know, kill certain big name heroes is only going to increase his stature. And, you know, this movie doesn't work if Thanos isn't, you know, terrifying in every way, shape and form. And again, everything which I've been reading uh, from the interviews and, you know, watching and listening to, you know, the Russos are comparing him to Darth Vader, which is, you know, if you're going to do that, you need to, need to, back it up um and everything which all the teasers which i've seen so far it makes it feel like he'll do just that so i'm excited to see um what josh Brolin brings to the screen and, and again i mean the, the effects have come such a long way as well um he looks i'll just say he looks much better than steppenwolf did <laughs> just a snake. and we'll leave it like that <laughs> i believe that qualifies as damning with faint praise <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, he, he looks very good is what I'm saying. The the, the effects work um, uh, looks very impressive already. So I can't wait to see the finished version on an IMAX screen. It'll be, be quite something, I think. Well, now, Amon, let me ask you, too, because you, you uh, mentioned sort of the work, the legwork that you do going into these movies and, and researching and getting to know the, the world of these characters. You know, how much um, how much emphasis do you really put on put on doing that due diligence and, and getting to know the comic books and the movies you know there, there's a wealth of of material out there casting rumors plot rumors you know production information especially with the marvel movies there, there's almost too much of that so you know as a professional how do you navigate uh, all that information that's available in the build-up and uh, you know the weeks before release of a film and how do you go into a movie and and kind of juggle all that and make sense of that when you sit down to watch the thing? Hmm, uh, that's an interesting question. Um, with this one, it's quite complicated for me because to just to go on a slight tangent, I'm also a video editor, and uh, I make these uh, mashups every year called Summer Blockbuster Montage, uh, where I sort of compile all the trailers for the blockbuster movies into one. Uh, supercut, if you will. And a lot of that, well, to 
a lot of a lot of the montage will have sort of footage from Avengers Infinity War. Um, so I have sort of you know watched the fair few of the trailers and the TV spots more than I would so normally um, to sort of put it in 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 the supercut. Um, so, but just in terms of um, researching and sort of the, the discourse of it, I I try not to get too bogged down in sort of theorizing. Um, with any Marvel film, but especially this film, because you don't want to go into the movie with too much of a sort of mindset of what you think will happen. Um, I've done, I've, I've made that mistake a couple of times before. <laughs> uh, so I'm trying not to do that again with this movie. Um, I, I just, as, as I mentioned, I just want to be sort of present and in the moment, especially given some of the things that might happen. Um, so yeah, I've, I, I have sort of, there's certain things which, you know, I'm thinking about to a degree, but again, I'm not. I'm trying not to do a deep dive into anything. Yeah, and something that I like to that makes um, any sense. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely it does. You know, and one of the things I like to ask anybody that comes on the podcast is, is sort of how they engage with some of the marketing material out there. And you know, you've said that that maybe this is wasn't the deepest dive that you've done going into a movie. So let's flip the script a little bit, you know, as somebody that's tapped into sort of the fan culture as well, what have the fans been saying? What have the MCU and Marvel fans been saying about, you know, the, the marketing material and the trailers and stuff that's been released from this movie. The only real consensus that I've seemed to see is just that people think there's not enough Hawkeye. Like, I don't know if that carries over to everyone. Uh, yeah, no, the, the Hawkeye situation has been very, very, very funny. Uh, and uh yeah it's uh i think inadvertently it's put a little bit of pressure on the film to really make sure they justify his uh lack of sort of presence in the marketing materials i'm very intrigued to see what they're going to do with that character now hopefully hopefully it's worth it um for for jeremy for jeremy renner's sake um but uh yeah no the the what, what i'm sort of uh reading that's just excitement i think marvel have played this marketing campaign almost to perfection. There's a very sort of heavy leaning on nostalgia. Uh, obviously, it's the 10 years of Marvel movies culminating in the beginning of the end with this film, because obviously there's another Avengers movie coming out next year, which is why, by the way, I'm holding off on my big MCU rewatch until next year. There's a number of sort of journalists who are doing, you know, MCU recaps now. I'm like, there's another Avengers film next year. You're going to do all this again? <laughs> so I'm, I'm re-watching all this stuff uh, next year. But no, everyone is just um, very excited from from hardcore MCU fans to um, general fans. I don't think there's the, as much of the thirst for it that Black Panther had in terms of sort of non-MCU fans. Because I think even if you are a non-MCU fan, Black Panther was a film that you needed to see. I mean, my my mum, she doesn't watch any action films. She doesn't watch any... She's never watched a superhero film in her life. She's seen Black Panther three times. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's insane. I don't think she's going to see Infinity War once. Uh, <laughs> I mean, even, even with the Black Panther knock-on effect, uh, because, I mean, um, Infinity War... With, with Black Panther, you, you don't need to have watched any other MCU film to understand what's going on. Infinity War... I'm not sure you can do that. And also it's the combination of sort of 10 years worth of movies. You're paying off all these threads from Iron Man 1, from Captain Marvel Civil War, and from other movies. You're not going to get all of that um, if you haven't sort of watched uh, the movies beforehand. There's no such uh, thing like that for Black Panther. But um, everyone's still sort of super excited to see it. I think 
in all the screenings. I think this is going to be an all-timer when it comes to audience participation, um, especially in the opening, the, the first couple of weeks, um, given some of the things that might happen. Um, I'm very excited to see it with a big audience on Tuesday. Okay. Well, this is usually the part on the podcast where I like to um, have my guests throw out some some predictions. So I'm going to put you on the spot, Amon. You know, let, let, let's start with maybe some of the more negative things. You know, if this movie fails to live up to your expectations, if um, if it doesn't live up, if you know, if, if it's a disappointment, what maybe are some things that it has done, some concerns you might have going in that uh, as you're watching it, you're thinking, oh, they took this in the, d- the direction that I didn't want it to go. What does a, what does an underwhelming Infinity War look like to you? The, again, I... <sighs> For me to come out feeling that way, which I don't see happen, by the way, I really hope, <laughs> I really hope not least. Um, but it would ha- it would be a situation where characters die, but then we see or we get hints as to how they'll come back before the movie is over. That would really annoy me. Um, anything happening to any character from Black Panther would annoy me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> If they kill to if they kill if they kill Shuri, oh my goodness, I, I might just walk out the screen. No, I'm joking. Um, but uh, yeah, nah, um, I don't see I don't see them going that far. I really, I, I I'm a little bit scared for Wakanda because obviously there's a big battle happening there, and um, you know, T'Challa just T'Challa's just opened up Wakanda to the world, and now it's the front line for a big alien invasion. I don't think he's getting a second term, um, but. Uh, <laughs> Um, but uh, yeah, a little bit afraid because obviously Wakanda, when you when you visit it in Black Panther, this is just stunning, um, and I think it's going to get a little bit wet. Um, but uh, yeah, no, the, the major thing would be um, them sort of you know, the, the heroes who just died, possibly um, sort of you know they're not really dead. We can sort of get them you know, back this way. If you're going to do that, which, again, I don't want you to do, but if you're going to do that, don't do it in this movie. At least let us feel it, you know, let us really feel the full impact and weight of that and um, and, and, let, and let's see the characters' reactions to that too and, you know, give us a few months to sit with it. And if, if and then, you know, if you're going to do what you're going to do in Avengers 4, do it then, but... Um, I really would not want to see anything sort of resembling bringing any possibly dead characters back in this movie. That would be a major, major no-no for me. All right, so that was the pessimistic question. Here is going to be the optimistic one. What does Infinity War look like if it gets it all right? Like, what would this movie have to do to surpass Captain America and Black Panther in your book? (laughs) Um, That's a good question. I... I'll say this. I mean, I love Captain America Civil War, Winter Soldier, Black Panther, as I say, but for me, I still don't think Marvel will ever do, will ever have a better moment um, than the circular shot. Seeing the circular shot for the first time in the movie, Avengers, the first Avengers movie, and seeing that circular shot, because that circular shot, that was in trailers for the movie. And I'd obviously watched the trailers many, many times. I was obsessed with it. Um, seeing that shot, in the movie for the first time with everything that preceded the, you know, the Hulk sort of coming out and punching with the Alan Silvestri music. That is a moment for me, that's the best MC moment. I don't think it will be topped. 
if I play to one mind just to do that, then no, <laughs> I might freak out in the cinema. I mean, that that is like geek nirvana. Um, so if they manage to top that, that would be best case scenario. And I should have sort of mentioned this at the top, but um, Marvel, they've been going around um, the world sort of, uh, doing these little fan event screenings and showing critics uh, 20 minutes of the film. I'm actually, I've actually seen 20 minutes of Infinity War. Um, and some of the action, which I saw uh, in, the, in that footage, they're really ramping it up. I mean, it's, it's already the best action I've seen in the MCU. I would go, that, I would go as far as to say that. Um, and I think, and, and the little footage that I, that, that I saw, it was, I think, it's probably going to be the smallest action sequence in the film, and it was amazing. Um, and you know, all the look, look at the trailers and seeing sort of some of the collections of characters that we see heading into battle together. Um, that excites me a lot. If they manage to sort of stick the landing on the action for that, that will excite me. Also, if um, I, whenever I think of Infinity War before the trailers dropped, obviously you know all these characters are going to be in it. Um, I keep getting visions in my head of all the characters, like all the heroes being sort of, you know, coming to that Wakanda battle and being there all together fighting at the same time. And just the mere thought of that, just it's just incredible to think about. So if I, if I see anything like that, and again, if the action is as good as I think it's going to be, that could, that could make it like top one or two for me uh, in the MCU. I also just thought of one thing I wouldn't, another thing I wouldn't like. Um, do you want to say? I can say. Um, yeah, go right ahead. Because um, in, in that footage I saw, I saw Thor uh, still being a bit too, he's, he's, he's still being humorous, basically. I mean, obviously, in Ragnarok, we saw a very humorous Thor. Um which didn't always work for me, although I can sort of see what Taika was going for. Um, and I get that Thor was definitely the funniest character in that movie, and he's, you know, Chris Hemsworth is great. But Thor, in the space of days, Thor has lost his father. He's lost his weapon. He's lost his friends. He's lost his planet. And there's a very good chance he'll lose more of his people when you know, Thanos and his people come calling. At some point... Thor needs to be permanently pissed off. This is that point. <laughs> if you're not going to get angry about all of these things and be just constantly, persistently angry, what are you going to be angry about? At some point, Thor needs to just, you know, can the humor, get a big-ass weapon, and come and beat down his ass. Um, that is what I want to see from Thor. I don't want to see... If, if he's still being humorous after all of this, that would annoy me uh, quite a bit, I would say. Especially because Infinity War, it won't be wanting... For humor, you got Spider Man, you got Star Lord, you got Iron Man, you got Doctor Strange. These these characters are going to bring the humor, but none of the humor should come from Thor. So that would be that 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 would be the other thing that would annoy me if I saw that. All right, I'm going to assume that the uh, the 20 minutes of footage they showed you didn't include any notable character deaths. So I'm going to pretend like we're on a level playing field mm -hmm. here, more or less. Uh, so let's let's just do it. Let's let's before we get into the pre section, our pre score for the film. Let's throw out a name. Give me one character that you think is definitely not going to walk out of either both Infinity War movies or this movie in particular alive. Like, who is definitely dead? Vision is dying. That's definitely... <laughs> Sorry, Paul Bettany, but Vision is dead. Um, 
I would also, yeah, that, that, that's, that's the one which I'm 100% certain on. There's others which I'm like, eh, maybe, maybe not, but Vision, I'm pretty sure is a gunner. Okay, well, there's there's no way he's going to die in this movie, but out of respect for my no, wife, I'm so. going to... No, 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 I'm sorry, I'm sorry. No, 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 Vision is definitely going to die, but the character that I'm about to say, there's okay. no way he's going to die in this movie. But out of respect for my wife, who hates Bucky with the passion of a thousand sons, um, I'm, I'm going to put down Bucky. I'm going to be on team Bucky's going to die. Wow. I don't think it's actually going to happen. And I know that there are a lot of people that think that um, that he's going to pick up the shield of Captain America um, if and when Chris Evans dies in these films. But, you know, if, if Guy Liner Mick Metalarm decides to buy it, I, for one, would not be upset. Uh, but if she, I, I, to, I talk about Infinity War a lot with a friend of mine. Uh, if she heard what you just said, uh, she, she would, yeah, she would not be happy with you. <laughs> she's a, she's a massive Bucky fan, and especially the, 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 the Bucky's hair right now is, yeah, she's, yeah, she, she, she would not like you. Um, <laughs> I believe we're contractually but, yeah. obligated to refer to him as Bucky with the good hair, correct? Yeah. That is correct. Yes, um, there's, a, there's a lot of good to the hair and build work in, in this movie. Um, yeah, should look good on my on IMAX. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, nah, I don't think Bucky is dying um, because I mean, I mean, if if, if it's going to be two, if if anyone's dying between Steve Rogers or Bucky, it's going to be Steve Rogers, and you want to keep Bucky around because you know, it's just the same that Scarlet Witch isn't going to die because Vision's going to die. You want to keep the characters who are closest to them around so that you can sort of feel the impact of their death through them um, because that is where it's going to be most felt. Um, so if Steve Rogers buys it, Bucky's going to be around and, yeah, it's, it's not going to be pretty. There will be ugly tears in the cinema. <laughs> yeah, bonus points for the Russos if they just kill everyone. Just like every character, one big meteor, <laughs> the entire MCU is wiped out. You can start the whole thing over in uh, the oh, fourth gosh, Avengers film. All right, I'm on. Here's one for the record books then. Going into Avengers Infinity War on a scale of one to five, what do you think the final score of the movie is going to be when it's all said and done? If it's not, um, uh, I'm, I'm giving it a four. If it's not minimum a four, I'll be disappointed. That's a good solid score. I, I like that prediction. You know, as for myself, I think I'm probably going to give it uh, closer to 3.5. You know, one thing that I found is that a lot of these uh, summer blockbuster type films, I, I really end up um, going in a little pessimistic and coming out a little optimistic. So usually the movie finds me a little bit afterwards and I have some time to sit and think about it. But, you know, the floor on that is probably closer to a three. I just think that there is that there's not a lot of variance um, and certainly not a lot of room for this movie to be bad. But um, we're gonna actually going to go see the movie now. And uh, Aman, I hope that it, uh, it lives up to your expectations. Me too. <laughs> all right. Well, welcome back, everyone. We are here to talk about all things Avengers Infinity War. And I'm going to tell this to you twice because it's important. From here on out, we are going to go into the movie with full spoilers, meaning that anything and everything that you don't want to know about the film, if you haven't seen it, yeah, we're going to talk about that stuff. So that is warning number one. Here is warning number two. We are going to talk about anything and everything to do with Avengers Infinity War. You will be spoiled. You have been warned. 
please, please, please walk away if you do not want to know what happens to the Earth's Mightiest Avengers. Now, that little bit of housekeeping out of the way, Eamon, they're all dead. What's up with that? <laughs> yeah, now I've had a lot of conversations about the deaths, quote unquote, um, at the end of this movie, uh, because in the moment, I, you know, I partially it worked for me in terms of, you know, I felt the impact in the moment, but then very, very soon after, um, especially when uh, T'Challa, again, quote unquote, died, um, I'm thinking there's going to be a Black Panther 2 and T'Challa is going to be in Black Panther 2 and therefore he's coming back somehow. Um, I think the Spider-Man one really resonated for reasons which um quite obvious i think i think tom holland's performance in that scene is excellent um so that one really hit hard um but yeah um some of some of the deaths didn't really fully land because we have knowledge of what is coming up and you, you don't you don't want to see the cogs in the machine as you're watching the movie um and again, while while I think I felt some of it sort of in the moment, especially when like the, the credits were rolling, my mind was racing. I'm like, hold on, uh, these guys are coming back, and uh, that was a bit problematic for me. Well, let's let's dive right into that because you know I think there's been a lot of conversations, um, some good and some bad, about the quality of the ending and about those characters' deaths. You know, there are I've seen articles written by film critics who argue that the fact that there is, you know, this non-textual knowledge or extra-textual knowledge of the Marvel Cinematic Universe shouldn't really be held against the scenes themselves, you know. People have said nobody looks back on old movies like Empire Strikes Back or The Wrath of Khan and says, well, we all knew they were coming back, so those deaths are less impactful. But the flip side, there's also a lot of people who have said basically, you know, you have so much, you know, Marvel has banked on people's anticipation and knowledge of the cinematic universe. They ha they are, they've mechanized and they've weaponized all of these spoilers and this never-ending drip of Marvel movies, so you can't help but divorce yourself from that when you're watching the movie because that's a big selling point. That's how, you know, at the end of the day, they get the job done. So how should people approach that? You know, how should people who had just seen the movie feel about that? Should they step aside from all of the Marvel Cinematic Universe machinations and contract negotiations and production stuff and just focus on the, the scene as it plays out? Or sh is it fair to say, like, look, we know Black Panther and Spider-Man are coming back because we know they're working on movies right now. You know, we, like, this moment doesn't land because of that. I think it's, for me, it's definitely the latter. I mean, I, I wish it could be the former. I wish I wasn't me watching this movie in some respects. Um, in terms of you know being as well versed in the MCU as I am, um, I know that if that was not the case, this would have landed much sort of with, with a much heavier impact for me. Um, but yeah, it's, it's an interesting conundrum um, because you know I've been asking myself even if Spider-Man: Homecoming two wasn't already announced, regardless of the Galaxy Volume three wasn't already announced. This feels so, I mean, even though the filmmakers were saying that, you know, before the film, that was a complete movie and, you know, it's not sort of like part one or part two, it is very definitively part one or part two. And it's very, very easy to tell that. Um, so a part of me thinks that even if those movies 
hadn't been announced, we'd still be thinking this is definitely not the end of the story. You know, something's going to happen um, in the sequel, um, which doesn't make me less excited. I mean, I think even with something like, you know, I look back on the Lord of the Rings trilogy, uh, which I grew up with, um, it's now when it comes to these movies, especially when, you know, the trailers and everything is, is analyzed in the depth that it is, it's become more about how something is going to happen than what is going to happen, especially in sort of for the sequel to this movie. Um, so, I mean, I even I, I, to, to answer the question, I just think I, for me, it's definitely the latter. I can't. Um, I don't think, at least for, for me, I know that I'm not able to sort of, you know, stay in fully in the moment and not sort of look to the future at all in that respect. I, I find it hard to believe that I'm, I'm rambling here, but I'm just, I'm trying to imagine sort of not doing that. And it's very, very difficult. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely, um, I'm with you there. I'm on the side that I read, <clears> it's impossible. I read, your, that... I read your article, by the way, on it. It was very, very good. I didn't disagree with anything in it. It's very good. Well, that's good. Thank you. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of where I stand for those of you that, that didn't read my piece. I mean, at the end of the day, I feel like if Marvel if if Marvel is asking us to care as much about the next movie as the current movie, which to a certain extent really is the system that they've created, for better or for worse, they want you to be anticipating the next film in the series or the next Avengers film or the next crossover event. That's that's to create continuity you have to create a world that is always connected and always growing and it's it just it's difficult for them to ask you to stop and say these characters you know that we know aren't dead because we know that that several of them are going to be back for other films but we also know aren't dead because we have a vague awareness of how comic books work and we know that that you know there will be a reset button the moment you introduce time travel into anything you're allowed to basically say, all right, this is, you know, at some point they're going to level the playing field. They're going to hit the reset button and things are going to start over. Like it's, it's fine for you to, it's fine for you to do that. If that's the movie that you want to make. And if that's the way you want it to hit the moment, but don't pretend like you get to, to have this big reveal where half the cast is wiped out. And a lot of people aren't going to take, you know, a little bit of umbrage at that. I think I will, I will say though, that there are probably a lot of extremely, extremely traumatized eight and nine year olds out there. And (laughs) I do respect that. Like coming to these movies at the right age is going to mess up an entire generation of aspiring filmmakers um, in a way that I think is probably kind of fun. Yep. No, I completely agree with that. And there's been numerous accounts on social media and sort of articles written on the impact this movie is having on kids, which is a really interesting thing. But yeah, going forward, I just love it if Marvel uh, kept it close to the chest in terms of the movies they're announcing, in terms of the announcing how many films people are contracted to do and everything else like that. Because if we didn't know anything like that, and sort of, you know, a Captain America and Iron Man and Thor dies in this movie, then it's a whole new ballgame in terms of. Um, you know, have, in terms of in terms of what impact that would have on the audience, I think I I hope we're still going to get some of that um, in the sequel next year. But again, there's that there's an expectancy level because we know the you know you know Chris Evans's contract is up, Robert Downey Jr.'s contract is up, you know, the, um, and yeah, there's there's I'm. I don't, I don't think it will fully sort of negate the impact if one or both of those characters leave, 
but it would it would be nice not to know that information uh, ahead of going into the film. Yeah, and there was uh, Joanna Robinson um, tweeted the other day that uh, an, an interview with the yeah she's a great writer. There was a she but she shared an article the other day an interview with some of the screenwriters for Avengers and they basically said that all the characters that died in this movie are dead and and she put it so perfectly which is that like oh it looks like they're back on that Jon Snow bullshit which is <laughs> pretty much the best way that you could put it I mean we they are going to play this one straight until the next movies come out um, and the characters you know we'll see in the film that it turns out that half if not more than half of the characters who disappeared are not dead. And it's fine, like, you know, that's we've seen that now from a bunch of major television shows, um, and we see that as Marvel sort of borrows the language of serialized television in order to make these movies, and it's just it's just the way it is now, and, you know, I think it probably is fair to say we both agree that we wish movies were a little bit more self-contained in, certain, in terms of the emotional beats that they have, but... That's not the, that's not the way this kind of stuff works. When you're playing at this level of blockbusters, you're always going to have your eye on the next one in the line. So um, they're all dead until they aren't. Uh, but at least we got both of our predictions right. The Vision and Bucky technically both died. So I give us full points from the first part of the episode. Go us. <laughs> so let's back it up a little bit then. And um, I want we couldn't not talk about the deaths first, but let's let's back up and talk about some of the other elements of the movie. You know, we both had discussed whether or not Thanos was going to be a you know a real strong villain and, and serve as the culmination of the franchise to this point. Um, what did you think of the character? And what did you think of what Josh Brolin offered? I really was very impressed. Um, first of all, we have to mention the the CGI mocap um, combination uh, was very effective. Um, you could really see Josh Brolin's performance coming through in really subtle ways, which I, which is really just, it's, it's crazy how far technology has progressed. Um, even sort of five, 10 years ago, I'm not sure they would have been able to do it on the level they've done it here. It's really, really quite something. Um, and then the character itself, himself, I love that he has the hero journey in the movie. Um, you know, he's the one who has to sort of overcome obstacles. He's sort of very, you know, he, he believes what he, he believes what he's doing is the right thing. Um, which is always is always a thing that for me makes you know villains uh, more interesting to watch. Uh, so I, I like that aspect to him too. And yeah, it's just very very effective from the moment go. You got that great opening scene uh, where he's introduced monologuing, holding sort of one of the two most powerful uh, adventures so very, very easily. And then very, very easily again, without the aid of Infinity Stones, basically destroying the most powerful Avenger. All within the first five, 10 minutes, and he kills sort of um, the villain of the first Avengers movie, which is a, which is a nice about face. Um, I thought Loki's final moment, I thought Loki's final moments were, were really, really really well done as well um so yeah i was very very impressed with that i think he's definitely one of the best villains in the mcu um and it's a really sort of you know back to back with black practice killmonger i think uh marvel are really sort of making the right moves in in that facet of, of their movie making now it's been interesting because if you look back um I guess over the last couple of movies, there he seems to be sort of the biggest 
representation of a shift in motivation for Marvel villains, which has gone from personal greed or a desire to destroy or take over whatever to these sort of, you know, someone who has taken a, a has experienced trauma in his past. You know, think of Baron Zemo, think of Killmonger and think of Thanos and uses that as the justification to commit horrible actions. Um, which seems, you know, not to not to get into the politics, but seems um, relevant to a lot of the things that we see going on in the world as a whole today. And it certainly it makes it does make these characters a little bit more relatable because the idea of you know taking a personal trauma and using that as justification to do something bad, like that is at once relatable and condemnable in a way that works for these characters. It's far more interesting than your yellow jackets. Um, or you know your other Marvel villains who are basically just out to, to destroy a planet or take over a company or do whatever. Like this does provide that element of depth, and it does sort of feel like not only were they building to Thanos in terms of the scope and scale of what he has to offer, but they did a nice job of, of sort of laying the groundwork for his selfishness and for his you know misguided zealotry about the sort of atrocities he was about to commit. It was one of those things where as I was watching the movie, it was another moment where I saw, okay, this is actually something you've been building towards and you've been laying the groundwork for a character like this. And it does work for me. I really thought that he's one of the strongest parts of the film uh, and somebody that, that you know does manage to bring these threads together in a way that resonates. Yep, yep, agreed with all of that. There, there, was, there was a lot of sort of groundwork laid in this movie. I wish there had been more groundwork laid in preceding movies because... Again, we when we talking when we were talking about the deaths, we neglected to talk about the death of Gamora, which is um, it feels as though that that's the most sort of emotional death the filmmakers were aiming for in terms of, in terms of the impact of that death. And again, it only half worked for me because we're told more about Thanos's love for Gamora more than we see it. And this is this is the only sort of movie where Thanos has really has a big sort of you know impactful role. Um, imagine if that relationship between Gamora and Thanos and, and Nebula and Thanos had been given more screen time beforehand. Imagine um, it's not just sort of that relationship as well. Imagine if we had more of Vision and Scarlet Witch and that relationship before this movie. Um, all of these things would just had sort of slightly more uh, or, or bigger impacts when to the big moments in this movie come uh, than what they did for me. Um, but yeah, no, Thanos, Thanos is great. I, I really liked it. Yeah, and you bring up a good point. It's sort of like they, the blockbuster lesson they've learned is to not show the shark, um, and the shark in this case being Thanos. But you know, and the, the shark is supposed to have complex emotional connections to at least half the characters in the cast. And so it does sort of when, you know, when you're saving him for the big reveal of this film, but then everything that he's doing, you know, he's talking to characters and he says at one point, um, you know, Tony Stark, I know you, you know, you have my respect, things like that. Like, that's great. But they did in our time, they just met five minutes ago. Yeah. So it doesn't it doesn't carry the power of like two equally flawed and, and, you know, desperate to save their people, you know, warriors facing off on a field of battle. It's just sort of like, oh, good. Thanos has seen the other Avengers movies too. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Well put. 
But I like that you brought up um, I, I like that you brought up Vision and Scarlet Witch because you you definitely were Team Vision's gonna die, and you were right twice. I said <laughs> earlier that you were right, but technically you were right twice. Yeah. So I think that that you are officially the winner of our little contest that we had. Yay! But I I, I never really liked I never really liked those two characters individually in the movies up to this point. You know, they the actors of course are great. Um, I thought that they were sort of cast off to the side of a lot of other stuff that was going on and never really given their weight. And I give it credit to them that they sort of served as the emotional crux of the movie for the good guys. You know, they, Paul Bettany's performance and Elizabeth Olsen's performance, they were able to take something that, like you said, was sort of shoved off into this final movie to give it any real weight. And it worked more than it didn't for me. So I was curious, how did you feel about that love story being sort of the focus of everything and the focus of that final Infinity Stone? I thought that being the focus of the final Infinity Stone was fantastic. Um, that that sort of final encounter when Dallas is just coming for them and they're unable to stop him and Scarlet Witch has to make that decision. Really, really great. Um, and really, really... That, that did have a big impact for me, uh, thinking, thinking back on it. It was really, really well done. Not least of what, in addition to the great performances by Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany, Alan Silvestri's score in that moment is phenomenal. It's really, I've been listening to the score a lot um, in the days since, and that bit is one of the best bits in it. Um, so, yeah, that definitely worked. Again, I just think that, you know... I, there's meant to there's meant to have been two years uh, in between sort of Civil War and this movie was the first thing, and just thinking back to Civil War, Vision and Scarlet Witch, um, they I mean the last we saw them they were um, sort of having paprika um, sort of a paprika meal, and then sort of Vision was as uh, Vision disabled her in Civil War. Or didn't disable her, but basically he, he was with her in Civil War, which distracted him when he sort of shot Birdie down. And now in this movie, so the fast forward, there's so much which has happened off screen, uh, which is a shame because you know, again, if 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 we see all of this happening, then it just has a bigger impact, sort of from the outset. Um, it's the same thing with um, Star Lord and Gamora, and we, we don't really sort of get the. I mean, there's, there's so much has happened off screen with that relationship as well in terms of, you know, we, we get the first I love you's in this movie. Um, beforehand, the last time we saw them, they've they, just only begun to really act on the unspoken thing, um, which is a shame because, again, if they, if, uh, I mean, Marvel are really good at sort of, you know, planning ahead. Um, I just wish they were the sort of, um, if having... Um, I guess I guess I didn't know sort of until it was too late. But if you're going to have the the movie sort of focus on these two sort of big uh, relationships, I wish we would have seen more of them before this movie. Yeah, it is it is sort of revealing of how quickly they're moving through plot. That in this film we have two characters who have, or I guess four characters who are in you know trying to work on the relationships go from saying I love you to having to kill their partner um, in the span of I think thirty seconds yeah. on screen. Yeah. So we, 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 you we never get any other relationship between um, Natasha and uh, Bruce. Um, we just get sort of yeah. you know one longer look and that's it. But again, I mean, just to backtrack a little bit, speaking of to the you know don't like to see the cogs in the machine as you're watching the movie. 
whilst I agree with that at the same time, it's smart that they're clearly going to use the second Avengers movie to focus on the original lineup. Um, and I think we're going to get a lot of the resolutions that we didn't get in this movie, in that movie, in terms of we're going to get the moment where Tony gives Steve the shield back. We're going to get the resolution between Natasha and Bruce and other stuff like that. So, yeah. Interesting. So they literally wrote themselves out of a corner and gave them an opportunity to say goodbye to the main cast. That's what you're that's that's what you're predicting for that's the next one. That's what I'm one? predicting, yeah. Nice. Well, let's let me ask you about this too because going in you had some um I don't want to say misgivings, but there were some things that you were aware of that if they didn't do well, um might have made your viewing experience a little less fun. And one of the things that you hit on was humor. Um that this is of course taking place in a world where we've had films now like Thor Ragnarok, um, you know, like some of the Avengers movies and the Iron Man movies where humor's played an important role. Um, and they're trying to have those same beats in the movie while still pushing for all of this other stuff that's going on, all this important story and serious plot development. How did you think that Avengers Infinity War balanced some of those character beats and those humor beats against the larger story? Very, very well, uh, for the most part. Um, again, the, the, the humor came from the people I wanted the humor to come from. Um, and any time it did come from them, it was great. Um, like, there's so many lines which are just, you know, instantly... Uh, you, you want to say those lines as, as soon as the film as soon as the film is over. I mean, just the me and the couple, we got Drax with the why is Gamora, which is great. Um, you got um, when Thor and uh, Cap are on the battlefield. So you, I, see, I see you copy my beard, which is you know, another great line. So, um, you know, the humor really worked for me. I mean, that's, that's Marvel's bread and butter. <coughs> Excuse me. And, um, you know, it, it showed in this movie for sure. Uh, so, yeah, I really enjoyed the humor aspect. It, it, it's still, uh, I, got, I got enough of the serious moments and the gravity of the situation that the humor didn't upset it, which was sort of my main sort of, you know, misgiving, as you say, going in. Uh, so I, I like that. Um, the the character who I was most concerned about in that regard was Thor. Um, but the film, the scene that really sort of changed the way I came at Thor in the movie was that really one of the best scenes, if not the best scene in the movie, uh, where Thor is talking to Rocket uh, on the ship as they're traveling to Nivadalir. Um, and you sort of see the limits of Thor's bravado um he's still sort of he's, he's trying to keep it together but the fact that it just breaks a little bit so you can just see that he's, he's, he's just basically putting on the front um which is really really good and Hemsworth completely nailed that scene and that really was really important for me to see something like that because otherwise you just look at Thor and you think about all oh, this guy has lost and you're just asking yourself why is this guy cracking jokes but the fact that you can clearly tell now that it's just a front and he's just trying to keep it together and trying to keep himself motivated and focused. Uh, that really, really worked for me. Were there any character beats or any of the characters that were put into the film um, that didn't work? Were, you know, one superhero too many or characters that you thought would have been better if they'd either saved them for part two entirely? You know, because we didn't see Clint and we didn't see Scott Lang in, in the movie at all. Very conscious decision to keep them on the back burner until the second film. Um, or, you know, in Scott Lang's case, maybe not at all, as he focuses on the Ant-Man mm -hmm. movies. Was there stuff in there that you wish hadn't been in there or had been pushed back? Um, da, 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 da. Not off the top of my head. I mean, I know sort of going in the stuff which I wish had been in there, um, 
this is the first time, to my knowledge, that Vodi and Falcon have been to Wakanda. And them being the only two other sort of black characters in the MCU, apart from everybody in Black Panther, I would have liked to have seen them comment on that fact, on, you know, the, on, on them entering this country where, you know, Black King and everything else. I think that would have been a really big moment for me. Um, and I'm sure a big moment for a lot of others. But there's, I mean, they're, they're very, very short on time in this movie and you know, I guess the justification that they would use for it is that they ain't got no time for that as a war coming etc um, but I would have liked to have seen that Now you've talked we talked during the, the first part about um, just how much Black Panther meant to you and, and how much it meant to a lot of viewers how do you feel about the fact that you know one movie after Wakanda has been introduced as this um, you know sort of technological utopia and operating entirely on a different socio-political level is than the rest of the Marvel movies that it essentially serves as this, you know, battleground and a lot of it gets devastated just to fight, you know, Thanos, the big bad. Do you feel like, did that feel weird and forced for you at all? Did it feel like a natural extension of what had happened in Black Panther? Or do you wish that maybe they chosen a different way to have that fight scene happen? No, I think it worked for the most part. Um, I'm happy that Wakanda was not as decimated as I thought it might be. Um, so thank God for that. Uh, <laughs> but um yeah, and I think we're for the most part, um, you know, they're there for Shuri uh, to help Vision. And, you know, again, I'm extrapolating because I think I saw this read in the interview that Cap has been to Wakanda since Civil War to visit Bucky. Um, so, you know, and again, I'm extrapolating again, but, you know, when sort of um, T'Challa came to the United Nations and, you know, told the world about Wakanda, um, you know, it being an unconquered land. Um, again, we don't get any dialogue, anything to that effect, which is which, which would have helped color in the situation. But, you know, in terms of a place to, for humanity to make their last stand against Thanos, that would be the place to go. So that would make sense. Um, and, and, you know, that, that worked okay for me. I would have liked to have... Uh, seen Wakanda be a little bit more prepared. And I guess, I mean, you, you mentioned that it's the most technologically, technologically, there you go, advanced country uh, in the world. Um, I would have, I was expecting sort of more to technological defenses um, that they would have at their disposal as a, in addition to just, to, to just the, the shield, which is obviously very effective. You know, where, where are the gun emplacements? Where are the you know, remote-controlled spaceships that we saw in the in Black Panther, um, we 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 don't we don't really get to see that aspect of it, which was a bit disappointing. If, if I mean, even though sort of you know they, the Russos were respectful in many regards. Um, you know, you got the the Liberic Garantsons team sort of introducing or reintroducing the audiences to Wakanda, which is a great touch. Um, it felt uh, like a, a slightly blander version of Wakanda than we saw in Black Panther, um, which is a bit of a shame. But uh, for the most part, it worked for me. All right. Then um, I think it's just about time for us to give it kind of our, our final score. But, um, you know, I do want to ask you this before before we do that, too. Um, what is your general enthusiasm level going into the second part, whatever they end up calling it, Avengers Infinity <laughs> War Part 2 or... Whatever, you know, we've seen a lot of names being kicked around on Twitter this week. 
Like, where, where are you at going into this next film, knowing not only what you know about the franchise from a production standpoint, but also what you saw in Avengers Infinity War? It's very, very exciting. I mean, there's been nothing really like this um, in our lifetimes. I mean, I've grown up with these movies, as I think I mentioned on the first part of the podcast. You know, I've seen every one of them in cinemas. Um, I followed the stories, I followed the heroes, and... You know, as much as a part of me would not like to know sort of the whole things with the contracts and everything else, the fact that I do know about it almost makes going into the next movie more emotional because you do know that this could very well be the last time you're seeing these characters on the big screen. And, you know, we're going to miss them. At least I know for, sure, know for sure I'm going to miss them when they're gone. Uh, so that first viewing of... Uh, Avengers 4 is going to be very emotional uh, in many respects, I think, for me. Um, because, yeah, I mean, for me, when when the Star Wars The Force Awakens sort of came out and sort of all the hype building up to that, um, I enjoy Star Wars, but I'm not sort of as much of a Star Wars fan as a lot of uh, the other people are in our profession. For me, this is my Star Wars. The MCU is my Star Wars. So, to have it now culminate in this big Avengers 4 film, it's going to be a big deal. And yeah, I'm I'm both scared and looking forward to that first screening. All right. And since you mentioned other movies too, um, last question before we give it the score. You know, I always like to ask my guests, um, what is another movie, another franchise, something they would recommend people go seek out after they watch the movie in question? So you've just seen Avengers Infinity War. You know, what is a another superhero movie, another action movie, another pulp drama that you think would be a good pairing for this movie for audiences? I'm going to cheat and say and recommend three movies. I would actually, now I've been chomping it a bit to actually rewatch it. It's been a while since I have, but the Lord of the Rings trilogy is the only sort of, it's the thing which I immediately think about when it comes to compa- comparing a movie, an epic on the scope of Infinity War uh uh, to a movie like sort of a, like a Two Towers of Return of the King, uh, thinking of the big battles, thinking about the amount of characters those movies have to uh, juggle. Um, that, I mean, I, I, yeah, that's 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 the that's the movie which, in terms of in, in recent memory, um, which sort of comes up in my mind, and obviously that you know it's one of the best trilogies of trilogies of all time. I rewatch it. Uh, not as often as I'd like, but you know, I, I, I've rewatched it a, a fair few times and it's still very, very enjoyable. Uh, so yeah, if you haven't watched it, get on it. If you have watched it, get on it again. All right, and I'm going to throw out something that's just a little bit different, but kind of keeping with the whole conceit of the bad guys maybe getting the upper hand and the good guys in the end. Um, there is a movie that is um, finding its way to home video here in the United States that's been out for a long time, um, kind of worldwide, but... It is a 1968 Western called The Great Silence. It is probably one of the most um, bleak Westerns you'll ever see, a film by Sergio Corbucci. But the tie-in here is that um, the ending of the movie is about as traumatizing an ending to any film as I've ever seen and just as much of a gut punch in a sink as you thought that anybody would ever put in a movie that costs real money to make. So if you if you like if you saw Thanos and your first thought like me was like oh I wonder what other movies have a scenario where the bad guy um, you know might be revealed to be the ultimate victor 
I'm going to recommend you go check out The Great Silence. I promise you'll enjoy it. And well, maybe enjoy is the, the wrong word, but I promise that you'll be upset with me after watching it uh, for having suggested <laughs> it. All right, Eamon, the uh, big big number, final score then, on a scale of one to five, what do you give Avengers Infinity War? I'm going to go with four. Four out of five. That was, I, I believe that's what you predicted too. So that's right in line? Yep. Excellent. As for me, I think, I don't quite remember what I gave it. I think it might have been a three and a half. I'm actually, the first time Matthew. I saw it, the first time I saw it, I said a three and a half. This time I'm a little lower, actually. I'm going to go with a three out of five, which is still, what? still a pretty good score. <laughs> but it went, it went down, it went down a bit on the second watch just because some of those, those, the blatant manipulation of those emotional beats, the deaths that we talked about at the beginning of the movie, those were really frustrating <laughs> when when you could anticipate them and see them coming and sort of see them, you know, like setting up those things. It was, you know, I will, I will, you mentioned that you'd read my article, so I will say this. I think this is a movie that will be better judged in hindsight, having both movies there where we don't need to weigh it against the expectations and then the production knowledge and all of that. So I'm open to that score going up. It's gone down a half point on the second watch. I bet it might go back up another half point on the third watch. Um, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a moving target. It is the best possible version of that movie I think that they could make. Um, my own satisfaction with it, you know, wobbles a bit from time to time. I'll put it like that. Can you can you live with that? Can you can you live with that analysis? Because <laughs> I'm gonna have to, aren't I? <laughs> yeah. Um, Sorry about no, that. I I I agree with you in terms of um, when we have the second part, we we'll be able we'll be able to judge this this movie more clearly. The only, the, only, the only other thing I'd like to add to this discussion is that, you know, I mentioned it on the first part of this pod, podcast in terms of there's no other franchise which just pops me full of pure joy. Um, and the moment in this movie where Thor arrives in Wakanda, the first time I saw it, it was just, it was just amazing. It's one of the most epic things I've seen in any film, and it just really, really, really worked for me. It might be my new favorite moment in the MCU. That is how much I dug it. I'm not sure what your reaction was when you when you saw it for the first time, but that's a special scene. Anything that I did not like about that movie did not apply to Chris Hemsworth and Thor. That character <laughs> is a national treasure, and we yeah. should keep making movies. We should lock him into some sort of contract that he can't get out of and have him make those movies <laughs> forever. That's my professional opinion about yeah. Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> yeah. Along with... Uh, him and Doctor Strange and you know Thanos, they they were my MVPs in the movie. Um, Doctor Strange, I like that he leveled up too. He 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 got busy with it in the end, and we fighting Thanos, so it was really cool. Yeah, and hopefully, if they do spend time in the next movie focusing on the Avengers, the core Avengers, they'll still find reasons to bring at least some of the new guys into the fold. Let's see what they can let's see what they can do a little bit. They don't have yeah. to stay dead forever. <laughs> no, they do not. All right. All right, Eamon. So uh, if people want to um, you know, connect with you on social media, get your thoughts on the MCU, watch your awesome supercut, your summer supercut that just came out, what is the best way to get a hold of you? And what's the, the best way to seek out some of your, your writing and some of your uh, video editing that you do? Yeah, so I'm uh, at a woman on Twitter, A-W-A-R-M-A-N-N. Um, and you can sort of find uh, a link to my latest Supercut. Uh, it's, my, it's my pinned tweet, so it should be the first thing you see. From there, you can look to my YouTube page. And, uh, yeah, um, you can find me in uh, the latest issue of Empire Magazine. Um, and I'm also on a few different websites, Stunner Geek, 
um, Vodzilla, Hey You Guys, uh, which I always tweet about and Facebook about fairly regularly. So yeah, follow me on Twitter and you won't miss a thing. As for myself, you can follow me on Twitter at Labsplice. That's L-A-B-S-P-L-I-C-E. You can also follow this podcast at at one perfect pod. Now, if you like what you heard today, um, it, well, if you liked what Eamon had to say about the MCU and you just liked what I had to say, that's fine. But if you liked what you heard today, give us a follow. Leave us a review on Stitcher, iTunes, or your podcast service of choice. And Eamon, thanks so much for joining us and talking MCU. It's it's really it's a lot of fun to talk um, to talk about a movie where someone is both a professional like admirer and a fan. It's not very often that you get somebody who can handle both sides of that and remain objective while also talking about themselves in the language of a fan so it was great to hear some of your insight on the movies thus far and and you know we'll reconnect i will reserve the second half of this avengers infinity war part two for you and we'll reconnect in 2019 sounds like a plan looking forward to it